The reading comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through to 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you, who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Thank you. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for that, Lee and David. Beautiful prayers. Thank you. We really appreciate uh, that. Um, do you know, we have ambiguity in the English language, don't we? If I say you, who do I mean? Do I mean uh, you, Dave? Or do I mean you, everybody? If you're in the southern states of America, you go, y'all. Right? So people know who, I mean, more than one person, right? But um, in the UK, we love that ambiguity. Ooh, what do I mean? I don't know. I'm going to be British and vague. So, my question at the moment is, who do you think you are, or do you know who you are? Uh, it's what we're thinking about at the moment as we look at Ephesians. Do you know, Ephesians is a game of two halves, this book. Um, there's six chapters, and the first three chapters, there's not one instruction. There isn't one place in which Paul says, do this, do that, behave like this, this is how you should live. Not once in the first three chapters of Ephesians. The last three chapters of Ephesians are full of instructions. Therefore, this is how you should live your lives. But the first three chapters doesn't mention one instruction. Why? Because first of all, he says, it's so important that you know not what to do, but who you are. We've got to understand our identity. Who I am as a person, but also who we are. 
collectively, together. And so today when we say, do you know who you are? We mean you as in you plural, all of us. Because there's an identity we have as, as God's people. And it's not to be found just individually, it's to be found on our own. We live in a very individualistic society, don't we? And we always think it's about me, but actually this is about community. So um, we were previously in Hertfordshire in Welling Garden City and Welling Garden City is, is a town roughly the same size as Tunbridge Wells and it's divided by the train tracks. There's a train track going through Welling Garden City. It's uh, the King's Cross line up to Scotland. And there's the west side of Welling Garden City and there's the east side. Now, if you go into an estate agent in Welling Garden City, you might find properties that are advertised as being west side properties. But you'll never see a property that's advertised as being an east side property. <laughs> because the desirable side of town is the west side. And uh, that's where the original part of Welling Garden City is. And uh, that's, you know, that's just a nice bit. <laughs> so we lived on the east side. And uh, until we went, we did go posh for the last three years, I must admit. We moved out of Welling Garden. We became even too posh for Welling Garden City. But, and then we were ready to come to Pembury. So, um, but, yeah, thanks. I'll get my coat, I'll be off. Um, but we lived on the east side. And, you know, both our kids were born on the east side. You could say they were born on the wrong side of the tracks. I'll come back to that in a second. But just imagine, right, so we were free to travel to the west side, okay? There was a train track, but we, there was a bridge, and you could get over it, and you could travel. But imagine there was this, uh, instead there was a wall, and you couldn't cross from east to west. You know, um, on our side, we had little, all right? On the west side, guess what? They had Waitrose. <laughs> John Lewis. Welling Garden City, I was told, would be nothing without John Lewis. Anyway. Uh, that was all on the west side. We were allowed to troll anyway, back and forth. Our kids were born on the east side. They weren't, didn't choose to be. Paul says here, uh, you were Gentiles by birth. Now, did anyone choose where they were born? Did anyone choose their name? I mean, you could change it later by default, couldn't you? But you didn't choose your birth name. Did anyone choose what country they were born in? Did anyone choose the color of their skin? No. Right, you get the picture. Those who were Gentiles, they, would, they didn't choose it, they were just born that way. It talks about those who are uncircumcised, those who are circumcised. Let's not talk about circumcision too much, but it's not something you choose. It's something that happens to you before you've got the choice, or not. You were Gentiles by birth. And remember what that meant. It meant that you were on the wrong side of the tracks, Paul says. You did not have access. And there was not just a train track. There was a wall stopping you from crossing over. Uh, in the 90s, uh, uh, we did a jazz trip to Berlin. And it wasn't that long after the Berlin Wall had come down. And there was, in the middle of Berlin, lots of construction taking place. And um, 
Do you know, but still, it was very obvious which side was the West Berlin and which side was East Berlin. Very, very different. But then the Berlin Wall came down. And now it's changed. Do you like walls? Does anyone like walls? Donald Trump loved his wall, didn't he? <laughs> built a bit, of, a bit of it. Hadrian built a wall. Keep the Scots out. <laughs> I think it was reasonable. <laughs> yeah, what do you do if you don't like your neighbours? <laughs> you can move away, but if you can't, you, you can build a wall or a higher fence so they can't watch you sunbathing. People do build walls. People build divisions. All over the place in our world. But what Paul says is here is that the dividing wall of hostility that was between Jews and Gentiles was not just broken down, not just knocked down, but destroyed through Jesus' blood on the cross in a temple in Jerusalem. Uh, if you were Jewish, you could access the temple. But if you were a Gentile, you were not a Jew, there was a big wall keeping you out. There was actually an inscription on the wall that said, the historian Josephus records this, uh, 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 you know, if any foreigner or stranger tries to access this temple, their death shall be their own fault. <laughs> that actual inscription was discovered in 1871. For real. It's not very welcoming. You know, if we had a consultant come and tell us how to be a more welcoming church, a plaque saying, if any foreigner or stranger tries to come in here, they are responsible for their own death. I don't think that's a good idea. But that is exactly what it said on the temple in Jerusalem. On the day of Pentecost, it was a miracle because... You know, there were people from all nations. And, and, and there were you know, different cultures and so on. And they all heard the wonders of God in their own language. But they were all Jewish. Almost a bigger miracle was that then, later on in the book of Acts, we read about how God reached the Gentiles. See, because the Jewish people thought that the Gentiles were the scum of the earth. Jesus destroyed this dividing wall of hostility. And what was his purpose in doing that? His purpose was to create in himself, we're told, one new humanity. He took the two and he made one. When you get married, what happens? You become one flesh. And God's purpose with the church is to have one new humanity. You have been brought together. Do we do community well? Do our political leaders do living together well? Is there total peace and harmony and unity right now?
He came, he preached peace to those who were near and peace to those who were far away. By his blood you have been brought near. Years ago I was visiting a church with a friend of mine and we sat on the back row. And then at some point during the service, a man stands up and says, I feel God wants to say to you two young men on the back row, I was in my 20s, God has big plans for you. I looked round. <laughs> and my friend was laughing because he said, we're on the back row, there's no one behind us. <laughs> I thought, he can't mean me. I must, must be joking. My friend said, well, that was a bit, a bit generic, that wasn't it, it didn't mean much. But actually, it God has brought you together. This is our identity. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You're not a stranger anymore. You belong. Maybe you've been brought up in church and you've been told how to behave. That's the most important thing. Learn from Ephesians that it's about belonging, it's about knowing who you are first. Only then does the Holy Spirit start to say, now here's how you behave. You have been brought together. The Gentiles were massively disadvantaged. Because remember what it was like, you were without God, without hope in the world. And, you know, I'm I, see, Tanya was thanking God for her dad. And I'm really grateful for my family. We, we, we're a stable family. We're functional. We've got two sisters and there's no dramas, there's no, you know, hidden stuff really. I mean, we just get on. We just, you know, we're all quite different. We just get on. I'm really grateful for that. Really grateful for that. Because I know that it's not true for everyone. But did you choose what family you were born into? No, you didn't. And actually, some of us do have an easier start in life than others. You're all brought together. Now, in the early church, I don't know what it was like to suddenly find the Jews and the Gentiles had to mix. You had to sit next to someone in church whom previously you'd have described as a dog. Now we've got to hang out and have coffee together. <laughs> Pretend we like each other. <laughs> but if they can do it, can we? <laughs> now, 2,000 years, has the church always succeeded in this? Being together? What do you think? Not always. Tell me, a couple of things. What might have been, in church history, what are the, some of the things that have divided us? You can stick your hand up and shout it out. And Hang on a second, Jonathan. Stick your hand up and shout it out and 
I will repeat it for the sake of the microphone, but any thoughts? Baptism. Baptism. We're right though, Philip, aren't we? <laughs> In the way we do it. But not everybody agrees with us and has been enlightened. But yeah, absolutely. Music. Music. Yep, not everybody appreciates jazz. So that's their problem, isn't it? <laughs> we fight over these things. Prayers. Prayers. Yeah. Wealth. Wealth. Yeah. Entertainment. Entertainment. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Thank you. I, come on, speak out loud. Yes, you can. Come on. Yes. I'm waiting. Catholicism and Protestantism. The Protestants protested against the Catholics. Are you protesting? Or are you? Anyway, thank you. The role of women in the church. Absolutely. So is communion. Inclusivity. Right. You've lost me actually, Philip. I should know, shouldn't I? I'm now feeling embarrassed that I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the filioque of one verse, and it's what the Orthodox and the Catholics fell out over. Let's, let's check that out later. It was about a thousand years ago. Orthodox and Catholic. Thank you, Philip. Did Christine, was your hand up? No, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Transubstantiation, Patrick. I love that. The Great Schism. Yes. Clothing not wearing robes today. Thank you, Kyle. Thunderstorms. Thunderstorms. Predestination. Yeah. The Bible. Doc different doctrines. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Membership. Membership. Religion. Religion. It's all religion, isn't it? Friendship. Friendship. Sometimes it's not theological, is it? It's just personalities. The front son and the father. Okay. Okay. So whether the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, or from just from the Father. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? When you look back in church history, what people have argued over, and there's been all sorts of things. It's sometimes these theological things. Sometimes it's a style thing, like music. Sometimes it's just what clothes. Work. Sometimes it's deeper. Sometimes it's more super. But we've not been brilliant at it. Yeah. East and West. Well, that, Matthew, is what Philip's talking about. So it's the, the Western church is the Catholic church and the East would be the Orthodox church. Bang on, my friend. Absolutely. It's a tragedy, isn't it? Do you, how do you think God feels about all our divisions? God weeps. I think this grieves the Holy Spirit. 
God is brokenhearted at our division. Now, diversity is good, right? It's not, we don't all have to be the same. But, and we lament when we look at our government. Whatever your political views. The self-interest and all the rest of it, the blame the others and all that. But some of it has actually, that's been what's driving it. It's not always theological. <laughs> and I think Richard hit it on the head when he said, it's about love. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's what this passage says. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Now, cornerstone of the building is on the corner of the building. I'm not going to put a stone in the corner, but I'm going to say Jesus is our cornerstone. He is... Now, if I put this here, you might trip over it. I'm going to put this here, for at least for the time being. You might trip, but that's what people do with Jesus sometimes. They trip over Jesus. They don't realize he's there. They don't understand the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to put Jesus here. Because he has come to be right in the midst of our community. And I'm going to place the cross right here as well. Because when we look at how the church is divided, we think, heaven help us, Lord have mercy, right? And how sometimes we as a church have got it wrong so many times. But let me tell you, there's always hope. Why? Because of this. Because it's the cross. Jesus died on the cross. And this is why he died. To abolish the dividing wall of hostility. To make the two, the three, the four, the five, the six hundred, one. That's why Jesus died. To bring one new humanity. And this is the hope we have to offer the world. To our divided, polarized society. Where we slag each other off. And so often do it on social media. <laughs> this is at the heart of it. Now, <clears throat> you might find this hard to believe because you might think I just spent all my time in an ivory tower. I do have an ivory tower actually. <coughs> but I'm aware that church is messy sometimes. Because we're here. Yeah? Because people are messy. Do you know who you are? You have been brought together. You are being built into a temple for the Lord. Through Jesus and by the one spirit, we all have access to the Father. I don't have any more of a hotline to God than you do. He doesn't hear my prayers any more than he hears yours. He loves you. You might have been born on the wrong side of the tracks. He loves you. You might have learning difficulties. He loves you. You might have more or less money. Do you know what? God doesn't judge he loves you so, 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 so much. And in him, you too 
are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God lives here. Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is here. Amen. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. We welcome you, Lord. We welcome your work. Thank you. Invite the band to come, actually. We're going to worship. And, uh, and, and after we've maybe sung a couple of songs, I just want, might give an opportunity. If the Lord's laid something on your heart during this time, and you feel it's for the church body, I want to encourage you to be bold, because God speaks to you. So if you've, there'll be an opportunity, a little while in a minute, to, to, to come and share. But let's worship. <laughs>